One Conversation, the podcast where we believe one conversation can change a life. Today we have another guest. We are so excited. We love having our guests on. I think we did a little teaser about this episode a mm-hmm. little while back that we were going to be talking about some of the history of Live Violence Free. So we are very excited to have someone who has been involved in our organization in the past. I get to pick her brain a little bit and uh, see where we are. We can uh, or see where we we were talk about you know where we are now and how things have really changed and what's really great about our organization i know we both have no problem bragging about it <laughs> we're definitely proud to work where we do so everyone please welcome leanne you can say hello hello <laughs> So to start off, we have a little tradition where we start off with some fun questions. Now, I sent you, you're prepared with the serious questions, but these are going to be on the spot. (laughs) Okay, I'm ready. All right, so I'm going to have Lisa start us off with our first fun question. Yeah, and actually before we do that, Leanne, it doesn't have to be anything crazy, but why don't you go ahead and just give our listeners just a little introduction to who you are. Sure. So my name is Leanne Wagner, and I um, am a mom of three wonderful kids, one, a pair of twins, and then a little girl who's 10. Um, and I have been married for nearly 20 years. I currently live in the Carson Valley, um, but we just moved down to the Carson Valley about five years ago. Part of that, I lived in South Lake Tahoe um, uh, since 1999, before that. Yeah, so that's me. Love it. I love that you're down in the valley now too. I'm down in Reno now, so I feel like anyone else that's moved outside of Tahoe, I'm like, I identify with you. I used to be (laughs) one of me. (laughs) But awesome, and thank you for that, Leanne. And so, yes, we're going to get started with our fun questions. And we have one question that we ask all of our guests. Uh, We, I think, coming up with some interview questions before we even had a guest speaker, we were kind of thinking about things we wanted to ask. And we all landed on this one being, I don't know why, we just found like this was a very important question for us to know about our listeners. And so our question for you, um, if you could have lunch with anyone in the world, and this could be a fictional, non-fictional character, who would it be and why? Um, so it might get a little deep, That's but okay. if I could have lunch today with anybody, it'd be with my mom because she passed away uh, about 12 years ago. So that's who it would be. I love that answer. <laughs> I love that. Awesome. Um, and relatively, I think I have like the same answer as you because the same with my father. And so anytime I think people are looking for like, oh my gosh, you know, like the Pope or Mother Teresa. And I'm like, yeah, right, right, right. Simple, right? <laughs> simple, but it's a great answer. Totally. Love it. But to us, our loved ones feel like the Pope or Mother Teresa, you know, might as well be that role in our lives anyway. Yeah, honestly, like sitting down having lunch with my dad would be like equivalent of doing that with Beyonce, right? So like that makes makes sense, you know? (laughs) So our next question for you seems kind of similar almost. If you could live anywhere in the world, where and why? I would live somewhere by water, so open if it would be a lake or a uh, the ocean. Pro- actually, if I could live anywhere, I'd probably be by the ocean. 
up on a hillside, hearing the waves with my windows open. Overlooking it all. Um, I've dreamt about this in retirement. I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, so yeah, it would be why water for sure. Um, it's probably what I miss the most about obviously being up at the lake is, um, you know, not seeing that more regularly. But um, so I love water. Anywhere by water. That's my that's my jam. We're similar, you and I, you know, we got a, we got a vibe going. I'm like, I get you. I feel like you get me. Yeah. All right. And so let's move in to a little more serious questions. Cause of course we were really excited to have you here today. As Brianna mentioned, her and I and JC are other guest hosts who is not here with us today. We love working at the agency. We do. I mean, we do upright brag about it um, quite a bit, right? We're really proud of where we work. We're super proud of the work that we do. And so we were really excited because Although we love our agency, we feel so embedded in our agency. There's a lot of our history that we are just not really aware of, right? And kind of how it got started and what it used to look like. And so our first kind of serious question to get us into this realm is um, what years did you work at Live Violence Free? And what were the services that you were providing at that time? So I worked at Live Violence Free from 1999 to 2012. And um, I held various positions there. So I started as the child abuse prevention program coordinator. I don't know what it's called now, but it was where we did all the prevention in the schools. So that was the job I was hired for originally. <laughs> That's us. <laughs> That's Lisa. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> and I did that straight out of college. So that was, I really, I loved it, you know. Um, it was right in, in my wheelhouse at the time. And then from there, I became the sexual assault program coordinator and then the operations manager, and then I left the agency in 2012 as the director, as the executive director. And so I felt like I had a good, you know, I had a little experience in all the, in all the parts, so to speak. Um, and at the time, I, I feel like the services were probably pretty similar, you know, at, at the time we really tried to hold true to our mission, which was to provide services to survivors of domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse. Um, it seems like it's very similar today, um, although I, I get that different services can, can happen, but we provided peer support, therapy, groups, and individual counseling, um, court advocacy and accompaniment. We provided... Um, you know, sexual assault and domestic violence advocacy, our domestic violence response team existed, wow. obviously our shelter and transitional. So very similar, I think, I think anyway, to what exists today. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it sounds like a lot of the services we have, you just kind of detailed there. So that's pretty yeah. awesome. And a quick question, right. because we know that name change happened, right? It used to be the Women's Center and it became Live Violence Free, I think it was in 2012, right? And I think the issue there was the community thought it was an agency that was completely, you know, only females, right? There was no male clients. Mm -hmm. They, a lot of people misunderstood, thought it was like a Planned Parenthood and that, you know, we were giving out birth control. And so question, cause you were there, right? right. You were boots on the ground at the time. I mean, there was services yes. provided for men even before the name change, correct? 100%. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. It, but it was a constant explanation that we were required to do. Every time we did an outreach presentation, every time we, someone would call on our crisis line saying, do you provide services? Mm -hmm. And we, you know, it was a constant, is a constant explanation of, yes, we provide services for everybody. We're all inclusive. We don't, you know, um, so that was sort of in my tenure, you know, the 10 years that I was there before we started talking about the name change it was um, something that we dealt with often. 
Yeah. And I love just getting that mentioned because I think that's something yeah. that is still a struggle, right? Even with our name change, even with us being, you know, these this many years down the line and still in the community and still doing the work. It, for some people, I think it's hard to get their minds wrapped around or maybe they don't realize that we still or, you know, we always have provided those services. And so I love knowing that, you know, even way before our name change, even when we were the, the women's center, that those options were still out there. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think we still get that question, even though it's oh, been yeah. so long since the name change. I want to say, really, I'm pretty sure JC was on the crisis line last night, and we normally share our, with the advocates our crisis line calls so we can kind of know what's going on for the day, you know? And I want to say she had one last night where someone called and said, is this the Women's Center? So mm -hmm. kind of ironic that we're talking about that today because it's still happening. Yeah. <laughs> I did a presentation not long ago and I think a few of the, there was, you know, a few older women that were a part of the presentation in the group that I was presenting to. And a few of them, even knowing we were live violence free, I think just knowing it from back when was just still calling it the women's center. And there was a few times mm -hmm. where I was like, yeah, live violence sure. free. And they just kept, and I was like, call it whatever. As long as you know, we provide service <laughs> to everyone and what we do, call <laughs> right? us whatever you want. Right. Yeah. I know. Right. Yeah. yeah. As long as you have the crisis line, you know, our services good to go. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Call yeah. <laughs> so in that time from 1999 to 2012, what changes did you facilitate or oversee? What do you remember the organization going through during those years and all your different positions? Yeah. Right. So I start when I, when we first started, we were at the, um, uh, the little cabin that's over by campground by the lake. It was, um, and I only was there for a few months, thank goodness, because we were really um, jammed in there. Um, and so we, I didn't facilitate it obviously because I was a brand new hire, but um, during that time period, we had moved into the Live Violence Free's current location. And um, so that was kind of, that was fun to be a part of at the time. Um, the other thing was in Alpine County, I, again, the office existed, but I was the one with another employee um, at the time. We moved in all of the, we moved in to the original location of our Alpine County office, which was in downtown Markleyville then. And I can remember, you know, hoisting, we shared an office with um, Choices for Children at the time was downstairs and we had the upstairs section. So we had to move all of our furniture in through the windows upstairs. So that was, oh, wow. that's what husbands are good. Husbands are good for that kind of stuff. Hoisting furniture through windows. Um, so that was a fun project. Um, also at the time, I, these are some of the things I had to make notes on because I was like, what did we do? Um, actually, I went into the Live Lions Free's website even and was like looking at the history. I was like, oh yeah, I did that. So, that's awesome. Um, one of the things as we expanded, um, I was able to hire, uh, get a grant and hire an on-staff attorney at the time. So Live Violence Free had always provided court advocacy, but during my time there, we expanded the legal program and had an attorney on staff, um, which was really fantastic because one of the things, at least at the time, we had to frequently say is, well, we can't give legal advice, but right. you know, here's some options that we've seen work in the past. And when we had that attorney on staff, we actually could give legal advice, which was amazing for people going through the court process because it's so co confusing and complex and intimidating and all of the above. So that was a good one. Um, another program that I started was the parent to parent program. Um, so we obtained a grant and I was able to, we had to make some 
some significant changes to our programming at the time to accommodate all of the requirements of the grant. We had to have separate entrances. We had to have a camera system installed. Um, so I was able to hire our first program coordinator for that program at the time. It was Mario. He's still in town. Mm -hmm. He works for CASA now. Um, um, but he ran that program very successfully from the ground up. And um, so that was a pretty good, it was, it was change. It was a change um, in services for us, but that was a took us all like a little getting used to you know oh we called it p2p yep we do all the staff would have to adjust and um so that took a little getting used to i'd say um at the time we had a um one of the programs that was near and dear to my heart was our, um, it was part of our uh, sexual assault response team, but it was a forensic interviewing program that we had. We had um, staff that was specially trained to provide forensic interviews to children who had been um, allegedly sexually abused. And so we worked hand in hand with law enforcement during the criminal investigation to provide, um, we worked with the South Lake Tahoe PD detectives to um, create an environment in South Lake Tahoe. We had a great cooperation between Barton, the police department and ourselves so that our victims of child sexual abuse and sometimes even adult sexual assault, we'd use that room too. Didn't have to travel to Reno or Placerville. Um, and also didn't have to get interviewed in the police department in like their interrogation room, you know? So I was really proud of that program um, while it existed because it was a great resource for victims of those real sensitive, um, intimate crimes. Let's see. And then we already talked about the name change. I was, I have on my last note, the biggest change it. was the name change. The um, <laughs> <laughs> spoiler. And really that was, I know, I know, spoiler alert. Um, but, you know, I really worked with our board of directors at the time. I worked with the staff. We talked a lot about it for before it actually took place. And we tried to really get investment and we knew it would be a tough change we talked a lot about how everyone's going to know us as the women's center and how are we going to do this and is it worth it and you know that my board of directors at the time was fantastic we really had a great i had a great working relationship with them and um there are wonderful community members as i'm sure the board is consists of currently um and so anyway with staff input with board input we all we we made it happen and it was quite the adventure to unveil that and um it was it was good. So, I, I mean, it's sad to hear that people still say the Women's Center because I knew that there, there would be a transition for a couple of years. But hey, it, at least we're being talked about, right? At least we're memorable. You know, right? again, whatever you want to call us, as long as they know what we do, it's like if you know we're on your mind, whatever you want to call us is fine with us, right? So, I think yeah. it works. Yeah. So we still we still have that lawyer. We still have a lawyer with us. So. That's a change that has stuck around. And we actually, through our office, and I put my hands up for Alpine office because that's my little baby now. <laughs> so I thank you and husband for moving that furniture and getting that started. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, but we actually just did a training with our local court staff and judges and we were able to say all of our legal services that we do provide including have a, having a lawyer and i think they were thoroughly impressed with it because we try to make ourselves such a one-stop shop including that p2p also really? which is you know an extension of you don't really think about that 
initially right. falling under the DVSA, the the child abuse, all of that, but it does fit and it is something that is still very valued valued in our community. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a great. I mean, it's I still see law enforcement report and my job currently I still get access to several law enforcement reports when they involve children and um you know, custody exchanges can be so volatile yeah. and um it's not it's not healthy. I mean, whether, you know, of course you want safety for everyone, but it's not even emotionally healthy to be involved in those types of tension and conflict with during the exchanges, so it's a wonderful program. Yeah, and for any listener out there that's maybe like what are they talking about? And maybe I get a little sense of what this program is, but they haven't really explained it. So parent to parent or what we're calling P2P, which was started by this rock star right here on our show, uh, is a supervised visitation program. So if there's court ordered um, visitations, right, or there's custody, things going on like that may not be maybe a safe situation where we want to have somebody that's kind of monitoring uh this exchange and this visitation as well. So a really great program. Parents don't interact with each other when they are dropping off their child. So it, you know, kind of minimizes the risk of any kind of altercation, kind of like a fly on the wall. We have someone in the room that just while a parent has a visitation with their child in one of our playrooms. And so, yeah, it's a really great program, um, especially because we know that, yeah, like she mentioned, custody could be really tricky. There could be a lot of issues, right? And safety issues going on there. And so it's a really wonderful program to make sure that court-ordered visitations are being upheld, and it's as safe as possible for the family, especially the child. And so just wanted to stop for a second, deserved, right, us highlighting um, really what it does, because it's so awesome. And I think it's cool, because we now, again, we love our agency. We talk about all the wonderful things we do, and it's it's cool. I feel like we're sitting here kind of with a rock star, because it's like, oh my gosh, you're the one that did it. Oh, you started it. <laughs> I'm like, this is really cool. I had no idea. Um, yeah, this is really, it's fun. I feel like we're going on like a, a little history ride right now down our, our agencies, <laughs> down agency lane. It's awesome. I've always been super proud of Live Island Free too, so I can feel you. Yeah. I have another quick question about the Alpine office, if I may, and this wasn't one that I included okay. in there, but what was the beginnings of, hey, let's have an Alpine office? Were you a part of that or how did that really come about? It was right before, it was right as I was starting. Um, and so I don't, I, it was through what I believe happened is our, we have a state funding program for our sexual assault program at the time it was called OES. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it's called now, but my, my understanding is that the funding line for Alpine County became available. And so our executive director at the time and, and probably our other management staff um, decided, opted in to provide that service since it was our neighboring county. Um, and so it was a it was an existing funding source, but it provided funding for that additional county. Gotcha. Okay. It was just sexual assault services at the time. Right. Awesome. Yeah. And then it grew to now be everything that the Tahoe office can offer for the most part. Yeah. So right. yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's great to hear that. All right. Our next question, and I apologize. I might have to turn my camera off for a moment and plug in my laptop. Um, pregnancy brain. I didn't oh. plug it in before. So <laughs> you get the pass. It's not my internet. Oh, <laughs> uh, what did, what did our partnerships within the community look like at that time? I heard you already reference once the relationship that we had with the PD. Um, what did that look like our relationship with the PD during your time or other agencies in the community? 
I feel like our, I mean, I feel like our relationship grew while I was, not under me or anything like that, but I think while I was there and being a part of everything, I felt like we really worked great together with the police department. We could, we would cross train, you know, I would have one of the detectives, um, or one of the senior officers come in and do trainings when we were do our new, um, crisis line volunteer or staff training and they would talk all about you know kind of give a realistic perspective I think you know during my tenure I really realized that um, while the police department and live violence free are clearly collaborators and great team members sometimes you had different um, not goals but different paths to get sure. there and I think understanding and agree you know accepting that maybe although you're both there for the victim of crime you know you might have a different path of, of yeah. support and I think that that's really important just to recognize that we're both there together even though it might be a little look a little different and so that took some I think that took some getting used to um, for me personally and really understanding that and being willing to learn from your community partners, I think is really important. Um, and realizing that we might have a, a goal at the end, but it might, be, it might look a little different. Um, but I thought our partnerships were really great. I, um, not only like with our, our service provider, you know, like the police department in Barton and you know the other local agencies that provide support services to families, but also like our, we would do fundraisers in the community, um, you know, we would have shopping days and during Domestic Violence Awareness Month and obviously our gala that we had, our annual gala was always so supported by local businesses and, um, you know, I always felt, I always felt the love for sure from everybody when we would reach out. It was, it was always very positive. So I was always thankful for our community. And I love that. I feel like that's just carried on. I feel like you built the foundation with a lot of these partnerships, with a lot of that community support and that just rapport, right? You guys were building with the community at that time with other agencies, other partners. And I feel like we feel that so strongly now. Uh, our, mm -hmm. our partnership with the police department, it's still just as strong. There's still just as many opportunities to, you know, provide trainings to them, for them to kind of allow us to provide support for them. And so, yeah, I love again, I think it's really cool getting to hear this origin story of all the things that we kind of know and are used to and that exist today. And again, a lot of that partnership really came out of that. I mean, our gala has definitely looked a lot different. Any listeners out there that are not, you know, we're all live violence free people in this room. So when we say the word gala, we all know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> outsiders may not. The lingo. <laughs> Yes, this was a yearly event. We have this every single year, this one-time huge fundraiser, very swanky gala event, right? It essentially, it was raising all of the money for our agency for the year. And so, yeah, Leanne and their crew at the time did an incredible job bridging those connections because although, you know, albeit COVID, right, things have looked a lot different the past few years in terms of our gala and, you know, if we could have it and how that looked. But in the past, I mean, yeah, overwhelming support. I mean, we would be picking up donations from places I didn't even know existed before I started doing like auction pickups for the gala, right? I'd be pulling in like, oh, wow, there's a restaurant back here. And like, oh, wow, there's a flower shop, <laughs> right? Like it was just, it was incredible. Yeah. I mean, really the idea really of people is. coming out of the woodwork, right? In that way and, and just showing up to provide that support. And so, yeah, I think it's really cool to take a look back and just see, you know, the, the beginning work of all that and knowing how, 
how well it was done, right? Because it's so strong today. So that's really fantastic. Yeah, really, yeah, it's great. You, I mean, you really can't be as successful without your community. So exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we still get calls from, you know, hotels who want to donate some nights if people are in need of nights before they can get in our shelter or temporary nights on their way to somewhere else. You know, there's definitely a love from the community that we're really, really thankful for. And as far as the relationship with PD and us having, you know, the same goal at the end, but our different avenues of getting there, that's absolutely something that we continue today just because the nature of both of our jobs but just having that foundation of, you know, we know that our goal at the end is for the survivor to be in a better place, for justice to happen in this case. So right. we, yeah, having that relationship with them is definitely vital while understanding we get there differently. Even with just community members, I think it's awesome the amount of times I've been out, like I've been out at the grocery store and people that know me from work somehow recognize me and, oh, hey, while we're talking, oh, hey, you know, I have this huge bag of like male clothes or like female clothes right. to drop off to you guys or, you know, oh my gosh, we have this you know, beautiful old couch that we're not using and could that go to your shelter? It's just, it's so cool because I think in a way, right, and again, through that foundation, we've really become embedded in the community in a way where it's almost like we're kind of that person seated next to you at the table, right? It's like, so if I have something extra, it's like, oh, well, you know, could you guys use that? We're, we're kind of right there, right, within their mind and in, in the conversation. And so, and of course, it's so well needed, right? We understand the work we do, being able to provide, you know, food and household goods and do those distributions and have our shelter stocked, right? It's, it's, it's incredible to see the community come forward, right? Again, recognize us, get to know us from all the work we've done and, and just make us such a part of their philanthropy, right? Or their giving or just, you know, what's important in their community and, and being a part of that with us. So we have one last question for you. Is there anything else? Maybe, maybe this could be even like a fun story or a moment or something, maybe drama. I don't know. You can say what you want to say, but no. <laughs> spill the tea. <laughs> but, <out there>. um, <laughs> but is there anything else maybe within the history of the organization um, that, you know, maybe even how it got started, any other kind of big moments you want to share about the history? Hmm. I don't know if there's any other big moments. You know, I know that um, the you know because of the women's civil rights movement, all the pressure that that created in the '60s into the '70s. You know, um, it really that movement changed the legislation that re that made funding available to create women's centers all over the country. Um, in the late, you know, the mid to late okay. 70s and early 80s is really when a lot of domestic violence agencies um, were established. And so I think that's pretty neat, you know, that our, that Little Violence Free started um, in 1977, I believe. And so it was around 20 years before I was there. And I think that it's um, just really is pretty neat that such a small town like South Lake Tahoe was one of the early early birds to get that funding and start, um, you know, a domestic violence agency at the time is really where a lot of that funding came from because the, you know, there, there weren't a whole lot of laws and support around domestic violence and domestic violence victims right. at the time. And so really that movement changed to being what it is today where 
you know, finally neighbors do call and, and there is accountability and there is consequences and, you know, um, to those types of, you know, intimate violence and stuff. So anyway, I think it's kind of, it's neat to think back about that history. And I, I appreciate you guys doing this. I think that sometimes history is forgotten. So I think that's really fun to take a, take a look back. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, we started in, and you mentioned it kind of before, but let's touch on it before we go into the outro of this episode. I don't want this to get lost because I think it's okay. awesome. Our agency started in a, was it a one room cabin? Yes. Yeah, talk about well, being I mean, cramped. I guess you could <laughs> right. Yeah, it was pretty cramped. And I think like, I have I have so many questions, and at the same time, I think about I think about us doing our job at our office now, right? Which you know, you were there for the new office, obviously, right? It's gorgeous. It's two levels, and even still, you know, we can kind of feel sometimes like, oh man, we could probably even use more space, right? If there was more space here, we would use it. Yep. To think about all of us being in a one room cabin doing the work we do like it blows my mind and so at that time I know I mean I'm, I'm assuming this might have been you know the only thing available but I also and maybe you can clear this up for me I also heard that part of it was because there was a payphone right either on the outside of the cabin or in the cabin that you guys were using for the crisis line at the time I, I yeah I you know I um that is so funny. I don't know if we used it for the crisis line, but I do, now that you say that, I do remember a payphone being out there. And I just think, yeah, I mean, the ladies at the time who did, ran that organization back at, a, you know, before, I mean, now it's just so different. You know, the, the crisis line's on a cell phone. You yeah. just pass it around. It's not a big It's on an now. app now. I mean, before. <laughs> oh, is yeah. it? See? <laughs> I mean, it was just such a different, um, you know, you actually had to step, they'd have to forward the office phone to your home phone because, you know, you had to plug in phones back then. Um, so you'd have to forward the office phone so that you could actually get a crisis call, you know, to have that 24-hour crisis line. So it's it, different. It's like mind-blowing to me to hear this because now, we, yeah, we think about, you know, the accessibility, the functions that we have to make it so easy to think about you all having to be, you know, camped out by this payphone, right, just in case it's going <laughs> to ring. I'm like... The level of dedication, the level of just yeah. grassroots passion and effort to build something. And the cool thing is you mentioned, right, it started in 1977. And you're right, that was right when the time of funding going out and shelters becoming a thing. And before that, there wasn't specifically domestic violence or assault shelters, right? And so if someone was leaving a relationship or whatever was occurring, they were you know, fleeing a situation, they were just going to typical homeless shelters, right? And that was, you know, a lot of the time there was maybe mental health or maybe, you know, drug addictions and things like that kind of existing in those spaces. So they weren't even necessarily safe. And so to hear that, right, as this funding came out, right, as, you know, the country is kind of able, right, to start making changes and, and create these shelters, it's so cool to know that, yes, Live Violence Free at that time, the Women's Center was pioneers, right, kind of jumped right on the opportunity as soon as they could to mm -hmm. create something and looking at the level, right, and, and how they created this, like, it wasn't easy. They had to use a payphone. They had a one-room cabin. Like, everything was a struggle, but they took it and ran with it, and now we are 
so well known throughout the community. Again, we're kind of that like right hand to a lot of people, right? When they're thinking of who would I like to support or, you know, mm-hmm. how can I get involved in a great way in the community? We're usually kind of right there on their minds. And so it's just, it's so cool to me, right? To think about a one room cabin with you, fantastic people, just, you know, just getting it done, building something new, building something incredible. And it's this long lasting. I just, yeah, I have to say, mm-hmm. I feel like, again, I'm kind of talking to a rock star, right? Because we appreciate so much what we do. Uh, and I just think it's it's so awesome to hear and speak to somebody that was such a pivotal uh, key player in, you know, the anti-violence movement right when it was, right when it was budding, right? And right when there's opportunity to kind of make your place in this movement. I think it's so awesome. Yeah, it was fun. I really, I loved it. I loved my time there. I mean, really... The only reason I left was because I had three little babies and it was a lot of responsibility to run an organization and raise three babies. So <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> I, I didn't want to leave. It's just, you know, life happens a little bit. So it still has a place in my heart for sure. So I am happy to be here. So Absolutely. thanks. Yeah. And that wasn't even that long ago to think about 1977. You know, that's, there's so much that has happened. And I think sometimes in our day to day, we can kind of, we know that domestic violence and sexual assault, you know, that's not new from the seventies, but having resources for it is new. And I think that's something that we can forget about, but that was not that long ago. So it's really cool. We have so much to offer now and that we can be there for those people who experience that and have been for so many years that we have our services now. Yeah. Opportunity and resources. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And in (laughs) Alpine also. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. I love hearing about Alpine's history because, you know, it's just that little office down there. There's just two of us full time, but uh, it's very, again, valued in the community and well known. So there's enough of that reputation in Tahoe that it's just brought itself right down to Alpine and we're able to have our services down there also. Love it. So we are going to move into our ending of our podcast with our meditation, soak in all of this history and thankfulness for all the people who have set the stage for us to be doing the work that we can now. So go ahead and get comfortable in your chair if you are sitting or if you need to go get someplace comfortable. Leanna, go ahead and yeah. A little bit, not not on a regular Ooh, basis. Though. Fun. We love we love new meditators here. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we love to just practice our self, you know, our self love affirmations, our self care. Just make sure that we're taking care of ourselves as we go through this work. All right. So sitting comfortably, we're going to start by taking a deep inhale for three seconds. You're going to hold for two. And a long exhale for four. Let's try that again. In three, hold two, and long exhale for four. If you're comfortable at this point, you can close your eyes or maybe just softly gaze down at the floor or someplace where you won't be distracted by what you're seeing. Your hands can be resting wherever they're comfortable. You can keep sitting upright, but just make sure your back's not too tight. Make sure you're comfortable and loose. 
Let yourself just relax into wherever you're sitting. Become mindful of your body posture. Relax any areas of tightness or tension. And just become aware of your breath. We'll start with another one of those breaths with our eyes now closed in our relaxed state. Inhale three. Hold two. And long exhale for four through your mouth if you can. Keep repeating that and just feel the natural flow of that breath. You can feel the sensations of your breath, maybe breathing in through your nose, feeling your chest rise and fall. Just a continuous motion of one breath ending and the next beginning. As you're doing this, you might notice that your mind will start to wander. You may start thinking about other things, other things you have to do during the day, things that happened earlier today. It's very natural for that to happen. You can say thinking or wandering in your head softly to catch those thoughts. And then just gently redirect your attention back to the breathing. On your next inhale, repeat to yourself, I am kind. Now again, on your next inhale, repeat to yourself, I am worthy. Next inhale, repeat to yourself, I am strong. And one last one, repeat to yourself on the inhale, I believe in myself. Again, if you're starting to wander or have other thoughts, focus on your relaxation in your body. Seated here, allowing yourself this time to relax. Offer yourself some gratitude and appreciation for taking this time for yourself today, repeating these affirmations to yourself today. When you feel comfortable, come back into the room. You can wiggle your toes, head side to side. You can twist and turn, whatever feels good to reawaken your body. Come back into the room. And know that you took care of yourself today. You did something for you. I always feel like I'm coming out of like a very deep nap. And again, I always feel like I'm doing that, but I'm also <laughs> on camera. So it's always a weird feeling of like, uh, like peeling my eyes back open to the world. But thank you, Brie. That was really, that was really lovely. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you so much, Leanne, for being here. This is a fun episode that I think when we were planning out the podcast, this is one of the first ones that we were like, oh, we should do a history episode. Let's get someone <laughs> to talk about this. Yeah. I know that 
Thanks we've so been much. really interested in it. So thank you. We appreciate your time. And of course, everything that you've done for our agency and your continued support of all of our work. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I hope you ladies have a wonderful day. You too, Leanne. You're amazing. Thank you. You too. All right. So we thank you everyone for joining our one conversation and we will see you next time.